0: Let's pray. Let's ask God to meet us in the word this morning. Father, I pray that you would, by your power, strengthen your words' effect in our hearts today deeply and, and, uh, and massively. Uh, it's a warning about being dull of hearing. I pray that none of us would be dull of hearing your word in this passage this morning, that we would hear clearly what you're saying and the deep encouragement of it and the power of it and the, the love that you have in speaking of it. So, Lord, come, I pray. Help me. Give me clarity of mind and fullness of heart and pour out your Spirit, Lord, I pray, in a mighty way in each of our hearts. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start by turning to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to end up in chapter 5, but let's start by turning to Hebrews chapter 10, as we always like to say, if you need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, because we want you all to have a Bible that you can open up to and look on with us. And so don't be bashful, raise your hand, we want you all to have a Bible. We are passionate about studying the Bible here. And Hebrews 10 is on page 1007 in the Bibles we're passing out. 1007, so go ahead and turn there. The book of Hebrews was written to believers... And as you read the book, you can see that they started off uh, the very beginning of their Christian lives with a faith that was passionate and that was joyful and that was willing to endure great suffering. And you can see this in Hebrews chapter 10. That's why I wanted you to turn there. Look at how he describes their lives as Christians at the beginning of their Christian lives. Verse 32 to 34. Let me read these for you. The author says, "...but recall the former days..." This is your past when you first became a Christian. "...recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. "...for you had compassion on those in prison..." Now let me explain what that means some of their members, some brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, had been arrested for being Christians. And in that culture, if you went to prison, you would not eat unless someone brought you food. The prisons did not supply food for you. And so here we are, imagine that here we are and some of our brothers and sisters were arrested and are downtown in prison because of their faith. And we know that they're going to starve unless we take them food. But if we take them food, then we're identifying ourselves as Christians. Feel the problem. And in that culture at that time, that would subject you to harassment, that would subject you to arrest, that would subject you to having your property vandalized, stolen, torn. The government wouldn't care because you're a Christian, so you're being illegal anyway. So that's what's going on here. So pick up verse 34 again. You had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, which happened as a result of being identified as a Christian, Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one, right? Face to face with Jesus Christ forever, like we've been singing about this morning. So they knew they had that, and that certainty, that confidence of faith in Jesus Christ fueled them to love their brothers and sisters, no matter what the cost. So see, they started off with a faith that was joyful and vibrant and passionate and powerful. But. As we read through this book, what we see is that for many of them, something terrible had happened to their faith. Chapter 2 shows that many of them were starting to drift from their faith. Chapter 3 shows that some were no longer holding fast to their faith. And later in chapter 3, that some were starting to fall away from the faith. And chapter 10 shows that some of them were no longer meeting together with others who had faith. And so they started off with joyful, fervent, passionate faith. But to many of them, something terrible had happened. And now they were on the brink of falling away from the faith. So the question is, what happened? What took place to cause that? How'd they go from joyful, passionate faith now to being on the brink of falling away from their faith? What, what took place to bring that about so that we can avoid having that happen? And then what steps does the author take so that they can uh, correct that and get back to joyful, passionate faith? And the answer to that is found in today's passage. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. So let's turn back there, a couple chapters back to the left. So again, feel how important this is. Here we are. How long have you been a follower of Jesus. Did you start off with passionate, joyful faith in Christ? And how are you doing now? Are you as or more joyful and passionate as you were then? Or are you starting to drift from the faith? Is your heart starting to become more lukewarm? Are you starting to become more dull in terms of your passion, your affection, your love for your trust in Jesus Christ? It can happen, right? And look at the reason here as to why it happens, at least for these believers, in chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Let's, let's read these verses and listen carefully for what the author says the problem is, or what, what caused this. Start in verse 11. He says, about this, remember last week he was talking about Jesus Christ as our high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, kind of some deep sledding theologically he's been talking about, okay? So he says, about this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, now it doesn't mean they're all going to be, you know, f- have a, an office of teaching in the church. He means you guys should be able to share the scripture with each other, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching each other, admonishing each other. For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Okay, so what was their problem? What caused them to move from joyful, passionate faith in Jesus Christ that made them gladly suffer for the gospel to now moving to the place where they're on the brink of falling away? What happened to them? Now, some people, when they read this passage, think that the problem was that they had settled for the milk of the word. Some people think, I don't think this is what it is, but some people, maybe some of you, I hope to show you why I take it differently, but some think that the problem was that they'd settled for the milk of the Word, that is the very basic doctrines of the Christian life, like there's a God, we've sinned against Him, God sent Jesus, we need to be saved, that's the milk of the Word, and some think that their problem was they'd settled for the milk of the Word and had never moved on to the solid food of the Word, more advanced doctrines like predestination and the end times and you know, the high priesthood of Christ according to the order of Melchizedek, that kind of thing. So some think that their problem was that they had settled for milk, basic doctrines, hadn't pressed on to learn more, and so then what they need is to get the solid food. What they need is the deeper doctrines, more advanced doctrines, the solid food. That's what will give them maturity. So a lot of people think that's what this passage means, but there's a lot who don't, and I don't because of verse 12. When I saw verse 12, I saw that that could not be what the author is saying. Because verse 12 does not say that they need deeper doctrine. Verse 12 says they need to hear the basic doctrine. Verse 12 does not say that they need solid food. It says what they need is milk. Okay, read verse 12. I want you to see this for yourself. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Do you all see that? What they need is milk, okay? They don't need solid food, they need milk. They need someone who, again, will teach them the very basic principles of the Christian faith. The problem isn't that they have the basics and need more. The problem is, they don't have the basics. Do you see that? They don't even have the basics. That's the problem. Why not? How'd they lose the basics? Look at verse 11 again. About this, Christ is our high priest, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since, here's the crucial phrase, you've become dull of hearing. That's the problem. They've become dull of hearing. It's not that they were hearing the basics and needed to hear more advanced doctrine. They weren't even hearing the basics. or They were hearing the basics with dull hearing. It's not that they had milk and needed solid food. They weren't even drinking the milk. They were dull in their hearing. So what does that mean? Are any of us here being dull in our hearing? Have I been dull in my hearing? Any of us are susceptible to this. So what does it mean to be dull in hearing? And to answer that, I want to show you the one other place in the New Testament where the word dull is used. So you can see context for what it means. And it's in this same book, book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. So go ahead and turn there. I want you to see what that word dull means. It's translated in these verses with the word sluggish. Okay, But I want you to see the the context and to get a feel for what this word means. Hebrews 6, 11 and 12. We're asking the question, what does it mean to be dull of hearing? Am I dull of hearing? Are we, any of us here, dull of hearing? Very dangerous to be dull of hearing from what we've seen in this book. So what does it mean to be dull of hearing? And look at verses 11 and 12, chapter 6. He says, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, there's the word, so you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now notice the word dull can be translated sluggish, that's helpful, and then notice also that the opposite of dull sluggish is earnest. We desire that you show the same earnestness, verse 11, so that you may not be sluggish. So, being dull of hearing, then, means hearing with sluggishness, like laziness, passivity. It's the opposite of hearing with earnestness. Okay, so turn back to chapter 5, verse 11. And with those words in mind, I want you to, again, hear what their problem was. Chapter 5, verse 11. About this we have much to say. It's hard to explain since, now, here's the problem, you've become dull of hearing. You've become sluggish in your hearing. You're not being earnest in your hearing. Okay, now notice, the problem wasn't that they'd stopped hearing. They were still, you know, listening to teaching from the Bible. They were still hearing the Scriptures on a regular basis, reading the Bible on their own. The problem wasn't that they weren't hearing. The problem was that they were dull and sluggish and not earnest in their hearing. So even though you're here this morning hearing with your ears the word of God, you could still be dull of hearing, sluggish in your hearing, not earnest in your hearing, even though you are hearing it. Okay? So let's try to dig a little deeper. What would that mean to hear sluggishly, dully, without earnestness? So here's an illustration. See if this helps any. Imagine that you are uh, in an elevator, uh, at the at, at 100 floors up in a really tall building, okay, you're in an elevator, okay, and all of a sudden you, you hear this jolt, and then the elevator starts free falling. Okay? Think of how you'd feel panic stricken. And you look over and you see this little pamphlet attached by a chain to the control panel, how to stop an elevator from free falling. Okay? Now, at that point, you would open that up and you would read. Hear, get what that pamphlet is saying, not with sluggishness and not with dullness. That would be called earnestness. Okay? Everything depends on you understanding what this is saying. 475, 473, 470, okay? Everything would understand on you understanding what what that pamphlet is saying. So you'd be hearing those words, reading those words, absorbing those words with earnestness. You would not be dull. You'd not be sluggish. You'd be getting it. Feel that? Now, switch the scene. You're at your home. There's some friends over for a little party. It's in your living room. A friend comes in and says, Hey, I wrote a little pamphlet. I, I'd like to get your feedback on it. Okay? Just sit down here. It's called, uh, How to Stop an Elevator from Free Falling. Would you read this for me and tell me what you think about it? Okay. And so you'd... All right. All right. Okay. See, now, that would be sluggish hearing. That would be dull hearing, not earnest hearing. So, can you feel the difference? What the believers, some of them who had gone from passionate, joyful faith in Christ to now being on the brink of falling away, what had happened was that they'd started to hear God's word. They're still hearing it, but they're hearing it sluggishly, dully, not earnestly. So, What might that look like with an actual passage of Scripture? Let me show you. Turn to Hebrews 11.6. I think Hebrews 11.6 might be a verse that the author would have categorized as milk. It's a basic statement of, of a very basic principle of what faith is. And I want to just show you what it would look like to read this with earnestness, what it would be like to read this with dull hearing and no earnestness. So here's Hebrews 11.6. This is, I think, one of the basic principles of the oracle of God. And look at what it might mean to read this with dull, sluggish hearing. Dull, sluggish hearing would be something like this. You'd read this and you'd say, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, to please God. Okay, I, I, I know that, I've read that. Uh, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. I, I know God exists. Okay, I'm good. And that he rewards those who seek him. Okay, that's good. Here I am. I'm, I'm seeking him. Okay, good. I see, what's just happened was Hebrews 11.6 went in one ear and out the other. It went in one ear, bounced off a dull heart, bounced off a sluggish heart, and went out the other. Didn't land. This verse is Awesome! This is massive! So here's what it might be like to read it with earnestness. Okay, here's, here's what I might do. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Okay, I might just stop and think about there's a God who is perfect in majesty and sovereignty and power and dominion, ruling over everything, who's created me. I'm here because He's created me. And He is either pleased with me or not pleased with me. Think of what it would mean to have eternal, majestic, holy, awesome, sovereign God be pleased with you. Or think of what it would mean to have holy, majestic, awesome God not be pleased with you. Fuller, this is important. And it says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. I've got to have faith. Am I trusting Him? Oh, I want to please God. Do I have faith? Let's keep reading here. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Okay, I've got to believe that he is. Do I really believe that God exists? I mean, how many times through the day is he just like absent from my thinking? Do I really understand that God exists? Whoever would draw near to God, I must believe that He exists. Think about it. There's a God who exists. Everything is about God. Everything in this universe is about God. Eternity is going to be about God. My life is about God. Oh, I want to believe that He exists. Help me, Father, to believe you more. Help me to see you more. Help me to trust you more. And I keep going. And that He rewards those who seek Him. Wow. The God who's created everything, who's infinite in power and sovereignty and wisdom and splendor and nobility and majesty and glory, he rewards little people like me. Now, I know that because of my sin, that can only happen because Jesus died on the cross to pay for my sins. So the cross is the foundation to this whole thing. But what this means is that through faith in Jesus Christ, as I seek him and trust him, he will reward me. And what the Bible teaches God rewards me with is more of himself. So as I seek him and trust him, I can have more joy in him, more heart satisfaction knowing him, more closeness with him. I want to trust you. I want to seek you. I want to know you. This is huge. That's just a little example of what it means to hear God's word with earnestness not dullness not sluggishness but earnestness and so ask ask yourself how are you hearing this word right now from this passage how have you heard God's word this past week as you've opened it up to read have you been hearing God's word with earnestness attentiveness passion interest help me Or have you just, well, I've I've read that. I I know that. That's good. What what else is there? Now, the author of Hebrews is calling his listeners, and he'd be calling us by implication, to make sure we're not listening with with dull hearts, that that we're not dull of hearing when it comes to God's Word, that we're not sluggish of hearing. And one of the ways he wants to help us do that is by showing us what will happen when we hear with earnestness. Two things will happen when we hear with earnestness. First, we will want the solid food, the deeper truths of God's Word. There is milk, basic doctrines, and there is solid food, okay? Both are important. But notice how the end of verse 12 and all of verse 13 reads, and it's, it's surprising and hard to understand when you first read it. End of verse 12, he says, you need what? What do you need? You need milk. Are you reading that verse there? End of verse 12. You need what? Milk, Milk, not solid food. And then here's why. Puzzling reason why. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. That doesn't sound right, does it? You need milk because everybody who lives on milk is unskilled in righteousness. That's why you need milk. Does that puzzle you like it puzzled me? You need milk because if you live on milk, you'll be unskilled in righteousness. So therefore, you need milk. You'd think he would have said, you need solid food. Because if you live on milk, you'll be unskilled in righteousness. That would make more sense. Maybe. But not if what he's saying is, you need to start with milk. You need milk. you got to start with milk. You start there. Because as you hear the milk with earnestness, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and do something beautiful in your heart. As you hear the basic truths of who God is, you've sinned. God sent Jesus Christ. He will forgive you, change you, satisfy you. You can trust him. As you hear those basic truths and hear them with earnestness and with prayer, the Holy Spirit will come and do something beautiful in you. He will give you a taste of of the reality of God, of the presence of God, of the love of God, of the glory of God. And that taste will be so satisfying that you will want more. You'll want the solid food. You'll think, think, if studying about Melchizedek and Jesus as my high priest will get me more of that, bring it. That's how it works. So we start with milk, and as we start with milk, God changes our hearts so we want solid food. So you do need milk. If you're dull of hearing, you need milk. Every day we need to start with milk. Every, every passage has milk in it, okay? Okay to totally mix up the metaphor. Every passage has milk in it, but if you start with the milk and pray over the milk, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will see and feel. Your heart will be changed. You'll be hungry and then you'll want the Melchizedek stuff and the end time stuff because you'll, you'll learn more of who Jesus Christ is in it. Let me give you a little illustration. <laughs> Imagine a book. Somebody gives you this book. The first chapter is three pages long. Short little chapter, a milk chapter. And the title of this first chapter is How to Get Ten Thousand Dollars in Two Minutes. Three three pages? Okay? So you start reading that earnestly. All right, three pages, read it through, and then cha-ching, ten thousand dollars. It works. Okay? You just read that milk passage earnestly. Now the second chapter is a hundred pages long. Hmm. Okay? And the title of the second chapter is How to Get Ten Million Dollars in an hour. Be thinking, okay, but now, that first chapter, that was good. That was good. So do you see how after reading through that first chapter, you'd want to read the second chapter? You don't see that. <laughs> no, nobody sees that? Okay, do you see how that would work? It's okay to say that. Okay, we shouldn't love money, but it's, it's helpful illustrations because we all can feel it, all right? So, okay, that's how it works. When we read the milk of God's Word with earnestness, our hearts will be changed. So we want to hear what he has to say about Melchizedek and Jesus as our high priest. Because as we learn about Melchizedek, picturing Jesus as our high priest, we will see and experience even more of the heart-satisfying presence of God through those truths. Deeper truths aren't written just so that people can be cerebral and kind of intellectual about it. Deeper truths are written to capture our hearts. Set our hearts on fire with love for Jesus even more. Not just milk-level fire, but solid food-level fire. But you've got to start with the milk. Okay? That's the first thing that will happen. We'll want the deeper truths of God's Word. Second thing that will happen, we'll be able to distinguish good from evil. That's verse 14. So again, if we start with milk, we're hearing milk earnestly, one of the results is we'll distinguish good from evil. Verse 14. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Here's how this works. When you read the milk, basic truths, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. And you read that with earnestness and with prayer and with attentiveness. You will have times when the Holy Spirit comes and enables you to taste the sweetness of that truth and to feel and experience God's presence, His glory, His love. And when your heart senses that, when you, when you feel God's presence in that way, that will enable you to discern lots of things that you come up against in life but that aren't clearly laid out in the Bible. We don't need a lot of help in discerning whether it's wrong to murder. That's black and white in the words, okay? But you will be able to discern things like when a television show is turning your heart from Christ. You'll feel that. Oh, something's happening here. This is not helpful. Or time to leave the theater. Gotta go. I'm not going to give this up for that. No way. Bye. Right? Or you'll be able to discern when a conversation's moving into gossip. Mm, this doesn't feel right in the Holy Spirit here. That, that pleasure, the, the, the pleasure of God, It's uh, where did that go? Something's amiss here. You know how that goes? You'll be able to just sense it and discern it. There's something that's, that's amiss. You'll be able to tell when your heart is starting to love money more than Jesus. Because you'll, you'll, your heart's changed. Something's, something's wrong here. What happened? You'll be able to tell maybe when you're seeking your joy and drinking too much. Okay, You'll be able to discern things that aren't necessarily black and white, like murder, not murder, steal, don't steal, things of the heart. You'll be able to discern what's good, what's evil, what's right, what's wrong, what you should be pursuing, what you should not be pursuing. But see, those things won't happen unless we... They won't happen if we're dull of hearing. If we're dull of hearing, those things will not happen. If you're dull of hearing, you won't be hungry for solid food. If you're dull of hearing, you won't be able to discern good from evil. You won't be able to if you're dull of hearing. So we have to ask, how can we tell if we've become dull of hearing? I'm hoping, I'm praying that we will all see this morning... What a dangerous, deadly enemy being dull of hearing would be. Because, church, I'm susceptible to it. And you are too. None of us are immune from being dull of hearing. Look at where these believers started. And look at where many of them had come. And the problem was dullness of hearing. So we've got to ask the question, how could we tell if we've become dull of hearing? How could you tell if you've stopped hearing God's word with earnestness? And remember, it's not that you aren't here listening to the Bible. You are, they were here, you're hearing. It's not that you don't open up and read. You may be just in a real devoted way. Every, Every morning you get up, you read some of the Bible. That's not how you can tell. There's another way you can tell if you're dull, if you're sluggish versus being earnest. So I just tried to write down a couple of clues that I thought might be helpful. What about if you read God's Word, or what if if reading God's Word is something that you want to get out of the way in your day, so you can move on to what you really want to do? Has anybody ever felt that, like I have at times? We do, right? And from now on, dead giveaway. This is dull hearing that I'm doing. I want to get through this, so I can just read the paper, check my Facebook, whatever it might be, okay? That's dull hearing. Danger! 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 Wah, wah, wah. Problem. Okay. What about if you you come to, to Sundays or you read the Word and, and you, you, you constantly are feeling convicted? I'm, I'm feeling convicted. I oh, I haven't been doing that. I'm feeling guilty, but but nothing ever changes. Just you're constantly feeling guilty. Well, it's good. I'm feeling guilty. Yeah, but if, if you're just feeling guilty, nothing changes. You're dull of hearing. If you are really hearing. You wouldn't stop with just being convicted. Father, help me. Help me change, right? Does that make sense? If you're convicted with no change, you're not really hearing the whole package. Does that make sense? So that's a clue. Uh, if if by Sunday afternoon, you've already forgotten what the sermon was about, that's a bad sign. Especially with sermons as powerful as these all are, all right? Okay? Very bad sign, okay? If you just what well, was that again? Anyway, dull hearing, all right? Uh, if you're bored reading through passages you've studied before. Oh, I've, I've already read this one. Uh, skim, skim. Oh, okay. See? Listen, listen. <laughs> Steve, listen. I want to listen to this too. If you've read a passage a thousand times, Your life depends on reading it again earnestly today. And even if you've read it a thousand times, you've hardly even started to think about scratching the surface of what's going on in that passage you've read before. And the Holy Spirit's got something brand new for you today in that passage. And on and on and on. So don't ever find yourself saying, well, I've read that one. I know that. Let's move on to something else. No, 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 no. Okay, that's dull hearing. Uh, we're dull of hearing if we're more excited about Kaepernick's passing rating than about talking about God's promises, even this morning. Okay? You know who Kaepernick is? Well, okay. Anyway, don't be more excited about it. I won't tell you. Okay. And then the last one is it's, it, we're dull of hearing if it's been a long time since reading God's word has convicted us of sin deeply. Or if reading God's Word, if it's been a long time since reading God's Word has filled us with joy or made us weep. If it's been a long time since we've really been deeply convicted, joyful, or weeping in response to the Word, then we're in danger. We're in danger. Now listen, I would guess some of us are in danger. Uh, Maybe some of us are are past the danger point and you're there just a group this size. And again, this is something that Satan's trying to bring to believers all the time, okay? And so I want you to own up to it because there's good news here. Listen, Jesus Christ will deal with dullness of hearing. He can free you from dullness of hearing. He can change your hearing now in a moment here. So it's not dull or sluggish, but it's earnest and passionate, okay? So let me give you a couple steps to take. And I just want to call, call some of us forward, those of you who'd like to receive prayer along these lines. Uh, first of all, listen, listen right now earnestly. Okay? Not that my words are, are, are worth it, but I'm, I'm trying to teach what the Bible's teaching, that makes them worth it. Because we can get into a pattern of going to sermons, kind of sitting back and saying, saying something that's going to you know, entertain me, say something that's going to tantalize me, say something that's going to make me laugh. Deadly. Deadly. So listen really carefully. Okay, because I, b- I believe what I'm saying now is, is from the Lord. So that's the first thing. Listen to, listen to this message earnestly. See, we're going to see next week that dull hearing is deadly serious. What he says in chapter 6, first few verses, about dullness of hearing is frightening. So I want you to, to listen carefully now. So the second thing then, do this. As you prepare to hear God's word, pray and ask God to help you. Help me. Don't just try to will power, grit teeth yourself to really focusing in. You need God's supernatural help. This is a spiritual issue. And when you come to him as you are, Father, I'm, I've got a dull hearing. I'm dull of hearing right now. I'm not that interested in doing this right now. Or I'm on my way to church and, you know, another sermon. I, I'm not that interested, Father. Come to him as you are and say, forgive me and help me, and change me. And I promise you, when you ask the Father through Jesus to set you free from dullness of hearing, His power goes to work. I promise you that. He will answer that prayer every time. His power will go to work. That's the second thing, is to pray. Come as you are. Put your trust in Jesus, his death on the cross to break the power of that sin, his resurrection power to free you from that sin, his death on the cross to forgive you for that sin. You come as you are. Say, help, I'm dull. Look at me. I'm not even wanting to read right now. Help me. And he will. And then third, read slowly and with much thought, thoughtfully. Don't rush. Give it time. One thing I've loved about reading the Gospel of Mark with our neighbor Thursday nights is that she she reads verses over out loud a couple times until she gets it. Just, just a second. She reads out loud. And she reads it again. Okay, I think I think I got it. It's really interesting. I just love it. It's like, wow, I should do that. That's a good idea, you know. And so read slowly and thoughtfully. Don't rush. Give it time. And then intersperse your reading with, Father, I'm not getting this. Help me to see this. This should make me leap for joy. This should make me weep for conviction. Help me. Look at this heart. Help me. So you intersperse, you sprinkle your reading with prayer. So it's this beautiful stirring together of prayer and careful, thoughtful reading. And then as you do that, On the authority of God's word, I I promise you, God will work. He will meet you. The Holy Spirit will come and do something beautiful in your heart, and you will taste and see that the Lord is good. You know the difference? It's one thing to know that God is good. I trust that you know God is good. It's another thing that the Holy Spirit will give you from time to time where you taste his goodness. Say, oh, you are good. Look at you. You're beautiful. You're majestic. You're noble. You're powerful. You're wise. You are good. He'll bring outpourings of God's love into your heart, so that the things that you see, you you see and feel His love in the truths of the Scriptures. You'll see His glory in the truths of the Scriptures. His power, His strength, His beauty, His wisdom, His flawlessness. You'll see it, and the result is you'll want solid food. I want more because I want more of that. You'll become able to distinguish good from evil. And then as you walk in that, you will move into maturity. You'll no longer be dull of hearing. And you'll be back to passionate, joyful faith in Jesus Christ that's willing to suffer for the gospel. Not just back, but even surpassing what you were at the very beginning. Too many Christians' lives start there and then there's kind of this decline down. Because of this, it should start here and it, it'll be ups and downs, but it should be the trend up, okay? And and, and that's how. <laughs> so, Mercy Hill Church, as I've been praying for you this this week, God has given me such love for you, and uh, just a fresh sense of I'm, I'm so thankful to be part of the leadership here. And because I love you, I want to say this to you, dull hearing is dangerous. We'll see it more clearly even next week. So, no more dull hearing here. Stop dull hearing. Through these means that I've mentioned, fight dull hearing. See it as deadly. Bring it to the Lord. Ask Him to help you. Ask Him to to meet you. Ask Him to change your hearing, to give you hunger, and He will. He'll answer that prayer every time. So let's stand together. I want to have you come forward, those of you who would like prayer for this. Don't be bashful. Come on up. We want to have people laying hands on you here to pray. If you feel like there's been some dullness of hearing in your heart towards the Word, come on up. Just be here. We want to pray and ask God to move with power. We're just family, right? We all need the Lord. We all need His work. Father, I pray that right now You'd you'd be bringing the power of Your Spirit upon us even more. And I pray that you would help people really see clearly if this is something that they need to deal with today. Bring your power upon us, Father, I pray. Right now. Anybody else to come forward for, for prayer along these lines? Dullness of hearing. We're family. We love you. We all experience this, but if, if this is something that you see in your life now, come on up now, please. I mean, God can minister to you where you are, but let's pray for you. we want to pray for you. And we need some prayers up here too. Let's—I forget whose home group is praying for people. So, for prayers, yeah, we need, we need more. Let's have other prayers come besides just Christian England's home group. We need more prayers to come on up here. So, if you want prayer, raise your hand. If you're if you're here wanting prayer, just so that we'll be able to tell. I want to have at least one prayer for everyone who wants prayer. So, go ahead and raise your hand if you want prayer. So, if you want prayer, raise your hand. Okay, good, all right. Could you do some more prayers? You're, you're all, del- you're, you're all, what's it called? You're all uh, appointed and uh, designated and authorized. That's what I'm looking for to be prayers. So come on up. Good, good, good. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd come with your power right now. Lord, we can't change our own hearts, but as we cast ourselves before the cross. Say, help, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You love that prayer. makes you smile. And you go to work as we come to you through Jesus and just plead for your mercy as people who deal with sin. So, Lord, bring your power right now, I pray, in Jesus' name. And we ask that you would break the power of dullness of hearing right now. You'd break the power of sluggishness, spiritual sluggishness that can come, Lord, Free us from it. I pray for an outpouring of earnestness that this afternoon, as these brothers and sisters open up your word, there would be a sense of earnestness there. That they could press in and pray and meet you in that way. That tomorrow, as they open up the word, home group this week, as the scriptures are talked about, next Sunday as they hear the message, or that there would be an earnestness in their hearts. I ask that you would do this, Lord Jesus, for the glory of your name. Thank you that as we do that, you will stir us to want solid food, that you will enable us to distinguish good from evil, right from wrong in our hearts, and you will move us to maturity, move us to growth, move us to strength. We love how you work, Lord. Thank you for your mercy and your grace through Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.